good afternoon. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of the Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us today as he opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. Let's turn tonight uh, for one last time in this series of studies to Matthew chapter 6. Uh, reading together again the account that the Lord gives us of this prayer, a uh, prayer to instruct his own disciples that they would know what to pray, the manner of their praying, the priorities in their praying, all of those things that we've studied over the last number of months, uh, week by week going through uh, this particular prayer. So let's read again from the verse number 9 of Matthew chapter 6. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We have an explicit command here to end our petitions with the word, Amen. It is part of Christ's instruction to his disciples. Note that it is not simply a code to be used in a prayer meeting to tell others when you're finished. No, this word is a word of great significance. It's a word that Christ himself has given to his church that we would know how we should properly end our petitions. There's a couple of things to note just as we reflect upon this word tonight. The first thing is to note again the plural pronouns that are used in the latter petitions. Give us this day or daily bread. Forgive us or debts, etc. That indicates to us that the Lord is teaching here about prayer that is communal, prayer that is a community prayer, prayer that is corporate. I'm not denying what I said in the very early studies, that the context of this prayer, both in Matthew and in Luke, the context is in the lead-up to private praying. But it would seem to me that there is also in these petitions the instruction that these are things we pray for together. And that as we're praying, as, as, as one may be leading, so all are engaging in this prayer, and we can then say, truly, give us this day our daily bread. That means to me that this word amen is therefore to be part of our corporate praying as a church body here. The other thing to note is that this is again a pattern prayer. Again, I'm not denying what I said previously, that we don't need to pray this prayer verbatim in word for word. Of course, that is, of course, permissible and encouraged. But it is a pattern prayer that governs the practice of prayer in the body of God's people, both privately and publicly. And that again, it reinforces the fact, the fact that this, this amen, this ending, is part of the Lord's command, part of the Lord's instruction for our praying. And so I want to spend tonight very simply looking at this word amen and its significance as it's used to close our prayers and the first thing to note is the word's meaning. What does this word amen mean? Well, it, is, it is a Hebrew word. It comes uh, from the Hebrew language. Uh, and as all Hebrew words have, they have a root. 
And the root of the word is in the verb form, the doing form. And the root word of this word, amen, means to support or to build up. But from that root, the word amen then comes to indicate truth. Something that has been supported. Truth that is built up and stable. Truth or faithfulness or steadfastness. Those are all ways in which the word amen is used in its various forms in the Old Testament scriptures. Truth, faithfulness, steadfastness. It's often used concerning God himself. Let me read to the words of Isaiah 65 and the verse number 16, where it says that he who blesseth himself in the earth shall bless himself in the God of truth. And there's the word, the God of the Amen. And he that sweareth in the earth shall be swear, shall swear by the God of the Amen. God is the God of truth. The Amen God, the God of absolute veracity, absolute truth and faithfulness. God himself can be said to be Amen. The idea of the word of truth comes into our New Testament in the translation of our authorized version of the word Amen with the word verily. Truly, amen, amen, says Christ. Amen, amen, I say unto you. Verily, verily, I say unto you. It's Christ's claim to be bringing the word of absolute truth. The amen of God in the Old Testament is then taken by Christ when he says, verily, verily, amen, amen. It's a claim of absolute truth. In fact, the Lord himself is called the amen in Revelation chapter 3 and the verse number 14. I suppose in a sense our prayers are in invoking the name of Christ we pray in Jesus' name. And so we're, we're bringing this word amen at the end with this sense of truth. What a standard that is, by the way. When you're closing your prayers, you're, you're taking this word as a word for God at the end of your prayers. That as God is true, so the, my prayers are a true reflection of my heart. And so the amen that's used at the end of the prayer is not a, a petering out of the prayer, but it's actually a climax of faith in the practice of prayer. As we saw in the doxology last week, thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. This is not rote words. These are words that indicate the believing heart of those who are praying these prayers. God's sovereignty, God reigns, God's ability, His power, God's glory being the chief end of all things. Add it to this end, the word amen, the word truth. So that's something regarding the word and its meaning. It is immediately a reminder that there must be no hypocrisy in the place of prayer. Uh, this time of seeking God's face to go as a church is a time when we must be true with ourselves and true with God so that we can say truly amen. And so that's something of the word's meaning. But what I want to do now is I want to, I want to survey the Bible with you and consider the word's use. How is this word used in the practice of God's people? And I, I don't know if you've ever done this, but this, this is a very, very instructive word study regarding how we are to use the word amen as a body of God's people in Christ's church. So turn back initially to Deuteronomy chapter 27. And we are literally, we're going to work our way through the scriptures. I'm going to show you the various times that God's people use the word amen. And begin with Deuteronomy chapter 27. And it's right in the, the giving of the law by Moses. And at this point, 
And there is the presentation of various blessings and curses. And we could, we could look at a number of verses, but you, you take, for example, there, the example of the, word, the verse number 15. And the Levites shall speak and say unto all the men of Israel with a loud voice, Cursed be the man that maketh any graven or molten image, an abomination unto the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsmen, and putteth it in a secret place. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. And so what's happening here? Well, the Word of God is being presented to the people. They're hearing the, the warnings of the Word of God. And of course, elsewhere they hear blessings. But here they are, they are being warned regarding their conduct. And as they hear the Word of God, they express publicly and with a unified voice, they express their agreement with the curses, with the threatenings of the Word of God. All the people shall say, Amen. You'll cast your eyes down through the verses, and you'll see that time and time again. So what do we see here? God's people, in response to the public presentation of the Word of God, they audibly, unified, and with a public sense, they affirm their agreement to the Word of God, and they do so with this word, Amen, this word, Truth. You've got a similar thing. Uh, don't turn to it in Nehemiah chapter 5. You've got a very similar thing there. Uh, and let me read the words of Nehemiah chapter 5 in the verse number 13. Uh, as Nehemiah warns the people there, he shakes his lap, so God shake out every man from his house and from his labor that performeth not this promise, even thus be shaken out and emptied. And all the congregation said, Amen, and praise the Lord. And the people did according to this promise. So the amen was an expression of their, their consent to do the will of God, and then they expressed it with this, this audible, unified voice saying, Amen. And then turn to 1 Kings chapter 1. 1 Kings chapter 1. And it's the verse number 36. Now, the context here is of the anointing of Solomon to be the king uh, of the sons of David. David chose Solomon to be his king. You have in the verse number 32, And King David said, Call me Zadok the priest, and Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada. And they came before the king. And they talk, and then uh, the king David gives instructions regarding how Solomon is to be treated. He's to be, he's to be ridden upon, or he's to ride upon his own, uh, the king's mule, and he's to be brought down before the people, and it's all going to happen. And then verse 35, Then ye shall come up after him, that he may come and sit upon my throne. For he shall be king in my stead, and I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel, oh, and over Judah. And Benaiah the son of Jehoiada answered the king and said, Amen. Again, this sense of agreement and assent. And then confirming this, the Lord God of my Lord the King says so too. In other words, may God himself so bless the kingly reign of Solomon that God himself would echo the amen offered by Benaiah and the others. So the sense of the word here again is of, of agreement and assent. We've seen that in Deuteronomy, agreement to the word of God. And here the word again is used with an assent to a particular purpose and prayer in the will of God. And then First Chronicles, please. First Chronicles and the chapter 16. First Chronicles 16 that is describing the, the bringing of the ark. And they brought the ark of God, verse 1, and set it in the midst of the tent that David had pitched for it. And they offered burnt sacrifices and peace offerings before God. It's the bringing of the ark back into to Zion. 
And then you have the, the account in verse number 7. Then on that day David delivered first this psalm to thank the Lord into the hand of Asaph and his brethren. It's a psalm that then is, is repeated. David has written this psalm for the occasion. We have the record of the psalm in Psalm 106. And as the, the psalm is then praised, sang, and God is worshipped through the psalm, look how things end there in the verse number 36. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel forever and ever. And all the people said, Amen, and praise the Lord. In response to, to corporate praise. Now listen to how it's recorded in the Psalm 106 itself. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. And let all the people say, Amen, praise ye the Lord. So I believe we're seeing here that it is the responsibility of God's people to express their unity and their assent to the offering of praise with this congregational amen. That they all together, as the prayer is offered, as the praise is offered, they all together come with this amen. Then what about Nehemiah chapter 8? Turn to Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8. And the verse number 6, the context of Nehemiah chapter 8 is the people crying out to Nehemiah for the book. They want to hear the word of God. Verse number 5, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen. Here we find an expression of agreement to the prayers of, of Ezra as he worships God and prays to God. The people again, they express their unity and their willingness to receive the word of God. And they do so using the same word, this word, Amen. One more Old Testament reference is in Jeremiah and the chapter 28. Jeremiah and the chapter 28. And the verse number 6. Uh, this is a very interesting uh, account of the word Amen. Dr. Cairns in his book on the Lord's Prayer says, This text is an inspired commentary on the meaning of Amen. And what happens here? Well, the prophet Jeremiah says, Amen. But it's interesting, he's, he's saying amen to a word of false prophecy. It is in the context of words that Hananiah is bringing. And he's saying in verse number 2, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two full years will I bring again into this place all the vessels of the Lord's house, etc. It's a false prophet that the captivity to Babylon is going to be a couple of years, and it's all, all going to come back. And Jeremiah, in verse number nine, 7, says, Nevertheless, hear thou now this word. And he, he deconstructs the words of Hananiah. But for our purpose, we see in verse number 6, even the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen, the Lord do so. The Lord perform thy words, which thou hast prophesied. Now, Jeremiah is expressing his desire that that will be so. He knows it's not, but he's saying, well, let me put my amen to that. It would, be, would that be what God would do? And so he expresses that with the amen. In essence, the word amen is translated with the words following, the Lord do so. So, so far, what have we seen? Well, we've seen the word amen indicating the unity of God's people. 
We've seen the ascent of God's people, their affirmation of the praises offered to God. We've seen all of these things in the context of the Old Testament use of the word Amen. And then, of course, that does not end in the Old Testament. Turn to Romans chapter 16. The word amen is used a number of times in Romans at the end of prayers. Uh, let me just point out a number of them to you. Uh, in the verse number 20 of Romans chapter 16. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. In verse 24, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. And then verse 27, to God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. These are words that are, are continually being used by God's people. And then the most important text, I believe, in the New Testament is 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Because we are looking at this word, amen, in the context of the corporate church. And so we have, the, we have the, the hint of it in the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day, and then ending with this word, Amen. But here we have in 1 Corinthians 14, we have the clear indication that the word, Amen, was used in connection with the prayers and the praises of God's people. Verse 16, Else when thou shalt bless with the spirits, how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say, Amen at thy giving of thanks, seeing he understandeth not what thou sayest. It is about the issue of tongues. And if the person in the church uses a tongue, a language that is unknown, and the other person is, is listening, uh, but they can't understand the words that are being used, then they ought not to say Amen. But the amen should be said when there's agreement to the prayer. There's amen at thy giving of thanks. And so therefore there is the, the corporate use of the audible amen. Not simply an amen in our hearts, but there's this audible amen. They say amen at thy giving of thanks. And then one last section, that's Revelation, uh, Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. And here we just see one other dimension of this word, amen. And we're, I trust you see, we're, we're building a big picture regarding how this word is used by God's people in all generations. And there you have in the verse number 7, Behold, he cometh with clouds, is referring to Christ, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wheel because of him. Even so, amen. And here the word amen is indicative of a desire. A desire that that would be so. We have the same in the very last chapter of the Bible, in the verse number 20, where it says, He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. And so the word amen here is being used with the expression of desire. A burden, an expression of, Yes, may that be so, Lord so in summary, what do we see? Well, we see here that the word amen in the entire Bible is used consistently and repeatedly. And we see this used by God's people individually and corporately. And there are times being used by one individual. Other times the entire body are using this word amen. We see in general terms it's used to indicate agreement and desire. It's used to indicate that sense of unity. 
Note, it was used after prayer. It was used after praise. And I suggest to you, it was even used after preaching in Leviticus and, or sorry, in Deuteronomy and also in Nehemiah chapter 8. It was expressed publicly and audibly. So summarize again. Public, audible expression of agreement and desire following prayer, praise, and the preaching of the Word of God. Now, what has that got to do with us? Does it really matter? Well, Christ told his people to pray and finish their prayers with the word Amen. So we are not at liberty to debate and discuss whether we should actively engage in the use of the Amen. That's, that's not what we can do at this time. And so what are we to do? Well, when we understand the will of God, then we are to act according to the will of God. And when we fall short of obedience, we must repent and resolve to obey the word of God. Even in something that seems so incidental as the use of the audible, unified amen. But of course, primarily, there is a sense of this amen being used in a right fashion as the people of God pray. It is your responsibility to listen to the prayers of God's people in this place and as they finish their prayer, it is your responsibility to express your agreement. And God tells us we do that by saying amen. But I haven't done that. Well, it's about time you did. Because this is, I believe, very clearly in the Word of God as an expression of our unity in prayer. And Corinthians 14 makes that abundantly clear. Now, there's also, of course, the implication that as God's people, as we pray, we must pray in a way that is intelligible and audible so that those around us can hear what we're praying. And as they hear what we're praying, they can say, yes, I agree with that. And they will hear that. Amen. As the prayer comes to a close, we are here praying together. And therefore, let's keep this in mind. I have one account of a Methodist meeting in the old days, and the Methodist church was beginning to, to form, and they were distinct from the, the Church of England out of which they were coming. And there was a, a comment made like this, Never, this one observer wrote, Never did I see or hear such evident marks of fervency in the service of God. At the close of every petition, a serious Amen like a gentle rushing sound of waters ran through the whole audience with such a solemn air as quite distinguish it from whatever of that nature I have ever heard attending the responses in the church service. There was this marked unity of the people of God as they expressed their amen. So as we close, having thought about the word and its meaning and the word and its use, let me just draw out some implications regarding its use. If you are going to say amen, then there are certain things that must be true. The prayer must be marked by sincerity. Amen is an indication of truth. And so when we pray individually, and as we pray as a body, it is our desire that we pray with truth that comes from our hearts out into our prayers. 
That we are not marked by the hypocrisy of those who, who want to pray in public so they can be seen of men. But rather, we want our public prayers to be marked with such sincerity that as God's people, we can come together and say, Amen, let it be so. That is a prayer of truth. And so there is a need for sincerity. And there is also a need for unity. It is vitally important that as God's people, we pray with one mind and one accord. And thus, that we have our eyes on the same goal, the glory of Christ in his church. And as our prayers are going that Christ may be glorified in the salvation of sinners, in the sanctification of saints, and the supply of his people, we are praying, Amen, may that be so. There is a tremendous blessing. Uh, let's see how things go tonight. But there is a tremendous blessing when you say amen to your prayer that you hear around you the ringing endorsement of God's people to your prayers and you hear amen coming from every corner of the building around you. How does that encourage you? Because you're not praying alone. That's a challenge. You've got to fight sleep in the prayer meeting. You've got to try to listen and, and battle. You've got to work hard so that you hear your brothers and sisters praying. You hear and you listen to them praying, and you can then say, Amen. Brother, you are not alone. You're not praying alone. I'm with you in your prayers. I echo your desires, and I feel the same in my own soul. And with that in mind, in this expression of unity, we are expressing agreement. And thus beware, beware of the casual use of the amen. Saying it for the sake of it. Don't say it unless you mean it. And so there is a need that as we hear the prayers of God's people that we understand that we can say amen to what we hear. Sincerity, unity, and finally fervency. This word amen expresses desire. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. When we say amen, we are saying, it shall be so, or may it be so. We are burdened with that prayer. We've heard the prayer, and we're saying, amen, may that be so. And so with, with that single word, we can express great fervency in the place of prayer. What, a, what are our desires we hear somebody praying for a, a lost loved one. We just have this whimpering, amen, or do we say amen because we want that prayer to be answered. There's nothing, nothing incidental in the Word of God. Nothing of minor consequence. Here, Christ is teaching his disciples, this is how you are to end your prayers. And therefore, it is our duty to do the will of God. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania. 
We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170. That's 610-993-3170. Or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We preach Christ crucified.